Welcome to the Tweets and Tonic podcast. I'm your host, Mandy Asbury. Political hot topics are intertwined in every aspect of our lives, from your streaming channels to your favorite sports teams and even in your pulpits. If you are looking for a cultural commentary on those infamous 280 characters brought to you by the Little Blue Bird, pour yourself a drink because this is the podcast for you. The way our show works is that we will take 10 tweets and break them down and share our thoughts and opinions. If you have followed the world of blogging or podcasting for very long at all, you've probably heard the name Melanie Shankel. And that's who we have on the show today. Melanie is the New York Times bestselling author of Sparkly Green Earrings, The Antelope in the Living Room, Nobody's Cuter Than You, and Church of the Small Things. Melanie speaks at events nationwide and writes on her blog, Big Mama. She is a class of 1993 graduate of Texas A&M and lives in San Antonio with her husband, Perry, and their daughter, Caroline. In her spare time, she enjoys online shopping, laughing at things that are often inappropriate, and spending time with her family and friends. She also has a 100-day devotional book for women entitled Everyday Holy and a 100-day devotional for teen girls called Fearless Faith. Her newest book, On the Bright Side, will be released on February 25th, along with her first children's picture book entitled Piper and Mabel, Two Very Wild But Very Good Dogs. Okay, Melanie, thank you so much for joining us on the Tweets and Tonic podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, um, we're going to kick it off. We're going to start sad so we don't have to end that way. Um, Okay. Obviously, on Sunday, Kobe Bryant and his daughter and seven other people were killed in a tragic accident. But um, there's been a video that's been going around from Ellen Duncan uh, doing a hashtag girl dad tribute to Kobe that's like all the rest of the publications, just heartbreaking. But you tweeted as the mom or as the wife of a man who loves his girl like no other. This one got me. Um, mm. Obviously, we know you have a daughter that you and Perry have, Caroline. What? How is this storyline affecting you as a parent in that mindset? You know, I think the reason it captured everybody and I heard somebody, I can't remember who it was, but I heard somebody in an interview say, this feels like a loss that we haven't publicly grieved since maybe like Princess Diana. That's like so impacted because I think there's something about seeing somebody. I mean, we all know that death comes for all of us and none of us are spared, but to just see somebody in the prime of their life who was young, who was still felt like they had so much ahead of them. It just feels so tragic. And then the fact that his daughter was there. And I think um, when I saw that video, it, it resonates so closely because I'm like, that's just like all of us. Like, and, Mm -hmm. um, and Caroline plays travel soccer. And so how many weekends, I mean, now we don't have a helicopter because, (laughs) you know, we're not fancy, but I mean, how many weekends do, I mean, I know all these families that that's what we do. I mean, that's such an American lifestyle now where like you get in the car and you're traveling to your kids games and we're driving to Dallas one weekend in Houston one weekend. It just felt so vulnerable. And I think it hit us all because it's essentially like, I've been praying so much for Vanessa Bryant this week, who of course I don't even know, but I'm like, she's living out what is absolutely your worst nightmare. Like, to, to lose a spouse and a child. Um, and then I think about the Altabelli family who was there. And then for those two kids that are left and have lost their yep. parents and a sibling, and it's just so devastating. And it just, I feel like it hit us all like right in the heart of 
our biggest fears, you know, yeah. and it just felt like such a routine, unnecessary thing to happen. Yeah, I hadn't heard the comparison to Princess Diana, but I think that's what I had been wondering, like, why? I mean, I love basketball, but yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't even say Kobe was my favorite player. He wasn't, you know, but yeah, like it just I don't know. It has really gripped everyone, which I always think is somewhat good because it makes us at least pause and slow our lives down a little mm-hmm. to be thankful for what we have and really think about other people. But I just, yeah, I've thought so much about Vanessa Bryant this week. I just, I don't even know how you keep moving, you know, yeah. it just, Mm-mm. Oh, Mm-mm. it just makes me sick. But well, and I, I saw something today. I mean, she's 37 years old. So like 37 yeah. years old. And it's interesting because my husband, I write about this a little bit, but my husband, his mom was 35 and he was nine years old and his dad was killed in a private private plane crash. Oh, um, wow. And his sister was actually in the plane and she survived. Oh, um, so it felt so, I, I, it's like, so I think I identified with it on that level too, where I'm like, I know that my mother-in-law went through this and it's just, it just feels so surreal. And it just, um, I don't know, but I do think it makes you pause and think. And I love that from that video came like kind of the celebrating girls, like being a girl yeah. dad. Cause I, I mean, I look at Perry and he's always been one that has said where he's like, when people are like, didn't you want a boy? And he's like, no, like he, he's yeah. always been thrilled to have a girl. He's like, I'm so happy being a girl dad. And, um, so I've loved to see that celebrated in the wake of all of it, but it's just the, the tragedy of it is just heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, my dad has passed a few years back, but that's, I always was so proud to be like a daddy's girl, you know, and yeah. spend as much time with him. And he coached me in a lot of sports growing up too. And I just think, gosh, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of kids, um, you also tweeted this week, uh, some mornings it's hard to know if I just tried to hug a porcupine or if I just <laughs> cheerily told my teenage daughter to have a great day. Um, <laughs> I can relate with only a four-year-old that happened this morning, but yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So you, you know, you've spent a lot of years encouraging moms, um, especially mm-hmm. those of us coming up behind you with littles. Um, the world is obviously kind of in a weird place these days. Yes. And um, that's putting it mildly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seems like it'd be a lot easier really just to take to the bed at this point. Um, sure. But how do we keep navigating and teaching our kids to navigate when the world is as it is today? Oh my gosh. I mean, I think that's part of where I'm, I tend to always go back to with Caroline and here's the thing. I don't know if you know this about teenage girls, this is going to come as a big shock, but it tends to be an emotional roller coaster at all times, you know, like, you know, I don't know if you've heard that, but it's like these high highs and these low lows. And it's, and it's trying to, as a mom, I feel like navigating like what's, really important versus what is manufactured, you know, just Mm -hmm. because it's like we start spiraling down. And I've always raised her with like this, we are not a victim mentality. Like if you want things to be better, go make them better, but we're not going to sit here and feel sorry for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's part of, you know, in this world and the way things are is it's like, okay, then change what you don't like, or let's find the bright side of that. And I feel like for her, a big thing right now is constantly, and it's, and it's, part of our own human nature is like, you need to take a, take a look around at everything you have to be grateful for, because you have no idea how good you have it, you know? Um, So um, that's kind of where we are right now, because I mean, 
and I get like, she has a lot on her plate. She's in the spring of her junior year. So like we're all focused on college applications and there's just a lot, your grades and your volunteer work and doing all these things. Um, but it's also remembering like, okay, this is kind of the rest of your life. So you need to adjust and be glad that you have the opportunity to go to college, you know, like yeah. this is, let's yeah. focus on the good part and not just all the bad stuff. Yeah. Um, it's still so crazy to me that she's as old as she is now. <laughs> oh, I can't even deal with it. It's but I don't want you to take to the bed, so we won't talk about I, it. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, well, you mentioned the bright side, so let's talk about it. Uh, Keith Finnegan tweeted this week, Coming soon on the bright side, stories about friendship, love, and being true to yourself by Melanie Shankle. So, your new book is coming out. Let's talk it about it. Um, why this book and why right now? I, when I started trying to figure out what this next book was going to be about, it was really, I was starting to write and it was right after the 2016 elections had happened. And I don't know if you're aware, but it felt like the world (laughs) was basically on fire. Just everybody hated everybody. And it kind of even got to a point like in my Facebook or Twitter timeline where I was, I kind of thought, I hate all of you. Like, I don't even care if you believe what I believe or not. Like, it's not even about you being on the opposite side of the spectrum. I hate that we've all become this. Like, this just feels so gross and unnecessary. And why can't we find our common ground as humans, you know, like, and just say, okay, because I'm I'm just a person who like, I'm not going to end my friendship with you just because we don't believe the same thing politically. Life is Mm -hmm. too short to me for that. And that's a minor thing in the whole scheme of things. Um, So I really started to think, and I knew the book was going to come out in 2020. And I thought, oh, that's going to be another presidential election year. Um, And I just felt like we all need a reminder to look on the bright side. Like it's, it's there's there's some light to be found. I really do believe this in every single situation. And we may not even see it at the time. Um, but I think that when we look at the whole span of when something has happened, you're like, there's some good that could come of that. Um, yeah. Even the darkest thing. And I think that's really hard, um, especially like we were just talking about the Kobe Bryant thing. You look at that and go, there feels like there's no good. But I'm like, somewhere there's some good. If it yeah. made somebody else value their family and their life and to question their mortality and what they're doing with their life, there's, there's always a bright side. And I just, I want to, to me, I just would rather spend life focusing on that than on all the bad stuff. Um, because I think when you start to look for the good, number one, it makes you appreciate what you have more. And it also shifts your perspective to where the more good you look for, the more good you continue to see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited. I've already done my pre-ordering and, um, Well, that's not the only big news out of the Shankle household currently, though. Um, So I found your tweet from 2014. Not, I'm not a stalker, I swear, but I actually was like purposely looking for one about the other two authors in your home. So um, that was the tweet when you actually got Piper and Mabel, which seems so crazy. But obviously, for those of us who listen to the Boo cast, they play a very vital supporting cast role along with Hazel Hudson. Um, yeah. So we're pretty excited about this book, but it is different <laughs> than what you normally do. It so is. what made you steer your writing ship in this direction? You know, I don't know. It really was kind of a uh, a fun, it just seemed like a fun project to do. I'd kind of always been intrigued by the children's book world, and, um, and I, but I did that I would write about. Yeah. Um, 
And then I, my original idea was, which I, I don't know that I still won't do this idea, but I was like, what if I wrote a children's book about a squirrel that has a peanut allergy? Like that would really hamper oh. your existence as a squirrel <laughs> if you had a nut allergy. Yes, um, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of my first. And then we got the dogs, which I don't know if you can hear them. They're howling right now oh um, because I, something very dangerous is happening in our neighborhood, like a mom walking by with a child in a stroller. I thought um, you were going to say it was a yeah. yeah. Oh God, please. No, <laughs> Lord, don't let it be a raccoon. Um, so I just, but when we got the dogs, I was like, this is the perfect thing to write a book about. Like they just give us so much material. They're so crazy. Um, they drive me crazy. I love them dearly, but they drive me crazy. And so I thought <laughs> this would be a great thing to write a book about. And, um, and so I did, and I will say writing a children's book is much harder than what I thought. You know, you read them and you're yeah. like, well, you're like, the cat went to the store. The cat bought a loaf of bread. You're like, well, how hard is this? But then when yeah. you try to condense, I'm a wordy person, clearly. Um, when you're like, oh, I have to tell a whole story in like a thousand words or less. Um, and I have to oh, use yeah. words that little kids are going to understand. Um, <laughs> it's it's a different deal. I mean, it's a different deal. But it was super fun. I love doing it. I don't know that I'll do it again, but I love doing it. I'm excited for that one too. We have a little boy, so I'm excited for him to get that one. But um, I love that. Well, and Laura Watkins did the illustrations and she did a great job. It's just, it turned out to be a really cute book. So I'm excited uh, about it. So awesome. Well, um, another thing gripping the nation currently um, is a Netflix series called Cheer. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I'm pretty excited to talk about this one, but Simone Biles tweeted this week, Netflix series cheer had me convinced after 2020, I'm trying out for Navarro cheer. Oh yeah. Um, okay. So I, there's so many ways we can go with this, but did you see <laughs> clips this week of JJ Watt surprising them? Yes. Oh my gosh. I've absorbed all the cheer content all week long. <laughs> um, and I like you and following them on everything. Uh -huh. Um, which does feel somewhat stalkerish, but I'm okay with it. Um, I know. But I did think that Monica seemed way more excited about seeing J.J. Watt than even winning the national championship. Yeah, I think so, too. I, think so <laughs> I too. loved it, though. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, if the listeners are not familiar with Cheer, I, well, I don't really know where you've been, but yeah. it really is, it feels like the Friday Night Lights of 2020. Um, yes, that's the best analogy. It does. It's so good. Uh -huh. Which storyline from the show has gripped you the most? You know, no, I don't, they're all so compelling. Like it's, I mean, I love a cheerleader show no matter what. Like I just always have, like there've been different ones on Lifetime or whatever over the years and I'll watch all of them. But this one, I think part of what is because these kids just grab your heart. Like it becomes yeah. so much more. So I feel like Morgan's story really got me. Yeah. Um, and I think Jerry's story, I mean, and Jerry and Ladarius, I feel like Morgan, yeah. Jerry and Ladarius just really, um, because to me, that's such an example of, and maybe it's because the new book has been on my mind and all that stuff, but I'm like, they really are kids that like had the wherewithal and the mindset, which is why they're so good at what they do, that they rose out of circumstances that would destroy a lot of people and have built a better life for themselves. Um, and just look at where they are now. I mean, like I saw Morgan tweeted or something on Instagram the other day that, I mean, I think she had been with um, uh, Kendall Jenner on yeah. Ellen and she was like, is this even real life? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how do you, when you're living in a trailer by yourself and your family yeah. has abandoned you, you can't even fathom that your life oh. would go to this um, and I think it's such a great reminder. I think cheer is number one, how quickly life can turn. Like you look at them mm -hmm. and think it's such a good reminder for us that no matter how dark things are, that 
you don't know that better days aren't ahead. Um, just because how different all their lives are now and they're, they're all living this dream. Yeah. I'm just so worried though. And I feel so weird because I don't know these people, but I'm so worried about them when they like, you know, kind of age out of the whole Navarro scene. Like they have to go somewhere. Like there's no choice to come back. Yeah. Yeah. What happens to them then? I'm just worried. Like Lexi, you know, she tried to leave and that ended poorly. So thankfully she was able to come back, but yeah, I know. I'm just worried about them and Gabby Butler's parents. What do you (laughs) listen? How do you feel about that? I don't know. You know, she has come out and said that she felt like her parents got a bad edit and her parents even said that they realized they were like, oh, we did not come across very well. Um, And so I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on that. Um, You know, I think it's I will say now I relate to Caroline's a big soccer player and whatever. And as a parent, it's hard not to get caught up in all that, you know. Um, But they were they appeared to be a little much. I don't know them in real life, obviously. Um, but it's like, sometimes you got to back off and let your kid be a kid a little bit, you know, um, and all those things. So, um, I think that's kind of a, but I do think that they've all set themselves up now. It'll be interesting to see because I'm like through their kind of fame that they've now gotten through the show, have they set themselves up to where they'll have these opportunities that they never would have had otherwise. Um, I don't know. And I do tend to think this is what I'll say is with my daughter being a club soccer player and at the level she's played soccer and she's at this point kind of like um, she doesn't want to play in college and she's going to be done. But I'd be sad. I, it makes me so sad. I'm like, you need to think about your mom. What am I supposed to do on weekends <laughs> if you're not playing exactly. soccer? Like be better than that. But no, she's like she's done and she's ready to move on. But what I've seen that it's developed in her and I think this is such a good thing because when our kids are doing these sports and you get so caught up and I think for a while we all think, you know, we're going to have the next Alex Morgan or, you know, whatever, Um, you know, I'm I'm raising Carly Lloyd or whatever. But (laughs) But what I see that it creates in them, and I think this is where those Navarro kids are going to be just fine, is when you are committed that much to something, you have something in your brain and something in your overall makeup that is going to make you successful at whatever you do in life. Because what they put their bodies through and the amount of time and work and dedication that takes, I think that that translates later to real life. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, I'm very obviously impressed and mesmerized by Monica. I think what she's yeah. built there's obviously, I mean, good gracious, they win all the time, but also the way the alumni comes back and yes. the way they still talk so positively of her and what mm-hmm. you can see they've done with their lives. I think it's, um, but I also love the stuff that she said, you know, when they've asked her and she said, you know, she loves these kids like they're her own. She doesn't care if they're gay or not or any of that. Yep. I think it's just such a great picture for the world to see right now when everybody is so just at each other's yes. throats. Um, yep. Yep. And that to me is why, like when she, when they did that whole thing on her in the car where she was like, these yeah. are my boys, like don't come for them. Like this is, and yep. I was like, that's why those kids work so hard for her because yep. it's that whole thing that we have this, we, I think we live in a culture where we're scared to push kids or to demand excellence out of them. But I'm like, if they know that love is behind it, they'll work that mm-hmm. hard for you, but they need to know yep. that you really care about them. And I think that's like, you look at like a Nick Saban at Alabama. I think same principle, like those players know that he cares about them. And so they don't mind that he also yells at them and is hard on them <laughs> in practice. So, yeah. um, well, keeping in the vein of entertainment, there's been some big news lately with the housewives. Um, oh, yes. So Vicky is leaving. She's saying goodbye. And how do you feel about that? She, you know, she 
she said in her tweet, she will always be the OG of the OC, but it's time yes. to say goodbye, which is actually, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. She said it's been an incredible ride for 14 years, which also I was like, has it been that long? I know. Isn't that which crazy? is sad for a lot of reasons for myself yeah. personally, but, um, <laughs> you know, she's going to have a podcast coming out and, um, She's leaving and Tamara's leaving. So where does the OC go from here? Is it ever going to be the same? You know, I don't really think that it is. It's funny because I quit watching. And, you know, I love the Real Housewives franchise. I, I'm a big fan. But I, it's interesting because I thought with them leaving OC, which I didn't even finish watching OC this weekend. Because to me, it got so over the top and so trashy that I was like, this is this is even a bridge too far for me, which is really saying something. I mean, that, that feels like a low bravo that you <laughs> yeah. managed to, like, get me out of that. Um, but it was just too much fighting and too much. I, I don't know. I just didn't like it. So I quit watching it. And then, um, and then I thought with Bethany Frankel leaving New York, I was like, I don't think I'll care about it anymore. Like yeah. once these characters leave that to me have made the show. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, I don't, I, and I'm not interested in getting invested in new characters. So it'll be <laughs> interesting to see what happens to the housewives franchise is a, you know, it's been so popular, but I also think it's so different now with, I mean, cause with Netflix and Amazon prime, like there's so mm-hmm. many choices of things to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, unless they get some really good new characters to fill in, um, because you know how that goes. Like some of the shows, I feel like they brought in new characters and you're like, Oh, I love this person. But yeah. some of them you're like, I really am not invested in you at all. You know, I think the thing with the OC, one of the reasons I used to really like Vicky was, we didn't know Vicky before, if that makes yeah. sense, you know, and yeah. when they go out and they get these celebrities or celebrities mm-hmm. wives, I guess I'm just not as invested because I feel like, well, I could just read people magazine and see this, you know? Yeah. And so I like the characters we don't know. Yeah. So I don't I know. Agree. We'll see. Yeah. Um, well, some characters we do know, um, it's time that we talk about the Royal family. Uh, um, I tell you, I'm just, I'm worried about the queen. This is a lot. Of her age. It's a lot. But there are rumors now that Princess Beatrice and Princess Eugenie are going to take Harry and Meghan's places as the senior royals. Yeah. And uh, Tips Talk tweeted this week, uh, you mean no whining, complaining, and victim playing replaced with class, tradition, and dignity. Mm. Um, Which, that was pretty low. That's um, harsh. So let's start off. Are you team royal family this week or team Meghan and Harry? Team Royal Family, 100%. Okay. Team Royal okay. Family. Yeah, for sure. Do you think there is a chance that this is all a cover-up for Prince Andrew? Oh, that's an excellent question. Um, I don't think so, because here's what I'm going to say about the Royal Family. And I mean no disrespect, but I feel like their PR team is kind of a hot mess. So I don't feel like <laughs> yeah. they would have the wherewithal to be like, we're going to create this other situation to get everybody's eyes off of this situation. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, if they were like an American corporation, I would be like, maybe so. But this feels like I, I just don't think that they always do a great job. It feels like they should be able to afford better PR than maybe what they currently have. Yes. I, yeah. Well, maybe if they quit spending so much money remaking these like gazillion old castles. But exactly. um, do you think that this was really Harry's move or was this Megan? That's a good question. I I don't know that Harry, I mean, I, I definitely think Harry has had his issues with being a royal, but I don't think he ever would have made this move without Megan. Um, yeah. I think she 100% was the, the, the 
force behind it. Because my thing was, is Harry knew, I mean, he's grown up in this life. It's all he's ever known. And he didn't really seem to have that much of a problem with it. And I feel like when you go back to their engagement interview now, he's talking about marrying somebody who can be part of the team and this whole thing. And so I feel like he was all in for them too. And then I think Megan got into it. And I think it was a lot more constrictive than what she was expecting, maybe. Um, and I think that basically he ended up having to choose between the royal family and Megan. Oh, yeah. I know I had such high hopes for he and Megan and then Harry or then William and yeah. Kate to do like the whole mental health stuff they were working yeah. on together. Yeah. Like crashed and burned. So that is an interesting question as well. Are you team Kate or team Megan? Team Kate, 100%. Cause I feel like Kate, here's my thing. Megan when you look back, you could look at Princess Diana and you're like, God bless her. She was a 19 year old girl that was like thrust yeah. into this worldwide fame and, and just that's so much and a shy 19 year old girl and had never imagined all this. I'm like, Megan's a 36 year old woman. I mean, you, yeah. if you are breathing, you have a pretty good idea of kind of what, how the Royal family works. And you think she mm -hmm. had dated Harry. So you've kind of seen it. And I think you look at Kate and Kate had all that negative press and Kate had people calling her weighty Katie and stalking her and all that stuff. And she persevered through it. And now mm -hmm. she's like this bright shining star. And it just feels like Megan threw in the towel so soon. And mm -hmm. it all feels a little poor me to me. Yeah, I've seen some of those rumors that allegedly they may be coming back. I don't think any of that's true yet. But I think the thing <laughs> that makes me the saddest, well, not only that the queen is so old, we need to be a little more careful. But yes. I just hate to see William and Harry not be as close as we've always wanted them to be, you know? Yes. And as close as they were. I mean, I think yeah. that's, and I, you know, when that happens in families, I mean, in-law dynamics, I mean, the thing is, is if you just boiled down and told the story of the family and took the royal out of it, you're like, well, yeah, I know those people, you know, like that's yeah. just yeah. families. Yeah. Um, and so it changes the dynamic and, and, but I think everybody loved seeing Harry and Kate and William all together doing stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like Megan came in and, um, I don't know. I just feel like she wanted to come in and like shake things up and change things. And you're like, um, it's the Royal family. Like yeah. this isn't tradition here. This isn't how, like, I mean, that's the kind of thing. Like, I feel like if you're even in America, I feel like if you were to be the first lady, you would maybe be able to like, I'm going to shake things up and do things different than other first ladies. And you would be okay. But I'm like, the Royal family is hundreds and hundreds of years old. Like you're not changing the way that sucker runs. Yeah, I, and I think I'm sad about Archie not getting to spend as much time with his cousins. Because if you look at William and Harry, they're really close to several of their cousins. And yeah, know, it just makes me sad. Yeah. Um, I think the whole thing is very short-sighted. And I, I think it's going to open up a whole other, because I think the royal family afforded them a level of protection and insulation yes. that they aren't going to have now. And so I think that's yeah. a really interesting thing that they've decided to branch off. Because I'm like, if you think the press was bad before... Yeah. I, they can only be worse now. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. Well, we're going to go to a, a bit of a spicy subject. We're going to talk about some college football. Okay. I'm ready. So, um, we've just met in this call, so you don't know my complete background, but <laughs> I, uh, I am from Arkansas, but I'm kind of only like a semi Arkansas fan. So okay. don't hate me yet. Um, but I am an Auburn fan um, through and through. I grew up with Gus Malzahn coaching at oh, my high school. So. Okay. So um, we well, are big fans here at our house. But um, 
There was a tweet this week about an article from the Houston Chronicle. Mm-hmm. Um, and the article was about why a favorable schedule and loads of returners for Jimbo Fisher has Texas A&M football fans as optimistic as they've been in years. <laughs> hmm. I don't know why it makes me chuckle just because I think it's just the heartbreak of college football, but are you, as, are you as optimistic as the Chronicle, uh, says you should be? Says I sh- Here's the thing about being an A&M fan. We're optimistic every year. I mean, every year we're on the precipice of this is going to be our year. Now, in all fairness, I feel like this last season I knew going in, I'm like, this is going to be a rough one. Like when you looked at the schedule, you're like, you, we're playing Clemson, we're playing Alabama, we're playing Georgia, and we're playing LSU, which we already knew was going to be a hard game before we knew that LSU was literally going to be like the greatest college football team of all time. Right. Um, so I do feel optimistic in that we do have a very favorable schedule this year. Um, we mm-hmm. do have a lot of good players coming back. Um, I believe that if you've ever listened to anything I say, I have concerns about Kellen Mond as our quarterback. Yes. yes. Um, so I feel like that I'm going to say that my optimism is probably not as high as the Houston Chronicle is saying, because I have concerns about Kellen Mond and our offensive line. So yeah. I'm going to need to see what that piece of the puzzle looks like before um, before I feel good. Is what okay. I'm saying. Um, if, if being an Aggie has taught me nothing else, it's that heartbreak is a perpetual thing. And so yes. I just, I just have to, I just have to kind of protect my heart a little bit and go, we'll just yeah. see, we'll see how it looks. It's funny. I think because of the bootcast, I'm always very hopeful for A&M and for Mississippi state, even though, mm-hmm. I mean, I should really want them both to lose as an Auburn fan, but I'm always hopeful for you. So maybe, maybe this is the year. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I mean, I, I just feel like there's always going to be that one where you go in, like it was the year, when was it like three years ago or so that we were like, we got the first college football playoff ranking came out and we were the fourth team in it. Oh, and you're yeah. like, Oh my gosh, this is so great. And then like, Oh, and we're playing Mississippi state this weekend and they weren't very good this year, that year. So you're like, Oh, well that's an easy win. And then we lost and it yeah. like all tanked from there. And I'm like that <laughs> pretty much sets it up. So, well, you know, as a sem- semi Arkansas fan, we've kind of just given up. Um, yeah. <laughs> We'll just see what happens now, you know. Yeah. I don't I don't know. And then of course, because I, my devotion is so split, then of course Chad Morris goes to Auburn and I just I just imploded yeah. on the inside. I but you know, God bless him. But I think he's a great offensive guy. I just think he wasn't a good fit for a head coach, is what I think. It just seemed like a pretty drastic move, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know, we'll see. Uh-huh. Um Okay, one more thing about Kobe I wanted to talk about, but also more so in the sense of, like, the media and journalism and that type of stuff. Um, TMZ, it's being reported that, you know, obviously we know TMZ broke the news about the death of Kobe, but it's being reported, mm-hmm. and I think it's been kind of confirmed by the sheriff's department that he, or that TMZ broke this before they could even tell Vanessa Bryant and their family. Yeah. And yeah. I, that made me mm-hmm. sick and angry in a lot of things, but... yeah. We're in this 24-7 cycle of news and everyone's obsessed with being first. I don't think anybody, it doesn't feel like anybody cares about being right anymore. But um, Mm -hmm. as a writer and somebody that does follow a lot of this stuff, do you think there's a way we can salvage the news industry at this point? You know, I really don't. I I really, I (laughs) I really think it's, it's, that ship has sailed. I just, um, and, and, and the truth is I really don't even watch the news anymore for the most part, because I don't believe anybody like I, 
like I think they're all liars. It kind of goes into the thing about what I said, like even if you believe what I believe or don't, I think you're all extremists. I think they're all fear mongers. Um, yeah. I think the perfect example right now, and I mean, I may, but I mean like everything with the coronavirus, I'm like, y'all, oh, you know yeah. more people die from the flu than yeah. the coronavirus. So right. um, I just, I think that they're just all about what's going to get them clicks and what people are going to listen to. And I just think that ship has sailed. I don't think there's any going back. Yeah. We talked a little bit before the show started about, you know, the, where blogging has gone and where do people find outlets now? I mean, we still have to get news in some capacity. I mean, I guess I say we have yeah. to, I mean, I yeah. guess maybe, <laughs> maybe we don't. Not. I don't. Maybe ignorance is bliss. <laughs> I don't know. I just wonder where it all goes from here. And I just, I don't know. And the thought of this being how they found out just, I oh, think it's that, awful. Really, that just explains exactly where we are though. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think it's awful. And I think that there's got to be some respect of privacy. And I mean, how many, I mean, I think about the kids from the uh, private school in Kentucky, the Covington school, whose, you know, yeah. lives were ruined and then ended up filing the lawsuit Wrong. and winning yeah. against CNN. But it's that kind of stuff where I'm like, you've got to be so careful not to just break a story that seems sensational. Um, yeah. Because that's people's lives, you know, and I I don't know. It's like we've lost that in the need to just be the first one to know, which I think is human nature, but it's, it's the basis level of human nature. Yeah. Well, speaking of following people constantly and thinking we know what's going on with them, um, (laughs) Lowe's (laughs) actually the home, the home store this Mm -hmm. week tweeted, uh, they were patiently waiting for Brad and Jen to let them know they're (laughs) ready to build their dream home together. Um, this obviously came from Brad and Jen having their, their moment recently. Um, yes. Why do we still care so much? I don't know. I think it's that thing of that if you're of a certain age, like they were just the golden couple at that yeah. time. You know, it was like the key. They were the closest we came to having royalty in America at that point. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. like they were beautiful. They were sun kissed. They had the best highlights and good hair. And I think we wanted <laughs> to see them live happily ever after and so the fact because I've thought that too because I'm like no he cheated on her with Angelina Jolie like he was no he was not good to her so why would we want her to go back to that place but I don't know it's it's the way the mind works it just it all seemed it's to people of a certain age that was such a great love story at the time so do you hope they get back together I don't listen I would be lying if I said I don't think that would be intriguing and I wouldn't like to see it (laughs) But I feel like I would need to know that he's changed and is going to do better by her. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I feel like Jen, I mean, to me, she's nailing it right now. Like I, yeah. the morning show, she's so good. I feel like mm-hmm. she's never been better. Um, I just, so I, I love to see all of her professional success right now. So I'm like, we don't need any dead weight, even if it is Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which yeah. is interesting to even call him that, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Well, Melanie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, tell us where we can get the book. Tell us all the things. Um, so you can get the book on Amazon. Um, is pretty much the way everybody buys books right now. Yeah. Um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Rumor has it that it's going to be in Target eventually Ooh, when it comes okay. out. I know. Um, so it'll be pretty much anywhere books are sold. It's called On the Bright Side. Um, and you can pre-order it now if you want to. And there's some pre-order incentives that you get if you do that before February 25th. And then I'm on Instagram at Melanie Shankle, which is really the best place to find me awesome. these days. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much 
we love i loved having you on it's awesome i loved being here thanks for having me as we always do on tweets and tonic we'd like to recognize the work of a company who is doing good in the world today's company is snack pack for kids in bexar county alone over 120,000 children are considered to be food insecure of those it is estimated that 10 to 20 percent actually deal with chronic hunger i.e. they lack adequate nutrition to lead a healthy, productive life. Although federal nutrition programs provide meals for students during the school week, weekends can be especially challenging for these children. Snack Pack for Kids was created to provide weekend food supplements to students who are identified by their teachers, creating food security for them over the weekend. With the support of partners, donors, and volunteers of all ages, Snack Pack for Kids San Antonio works hard to be a learning enhancement tool for these kids, solving their weekend hunger issue so they can learn during the school week. To learn more, check out their website, Snack Pack, P-A-K, the number four, kids, S-A, dot org. That's all, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Cheers, y'all, and go do some good.